2: This is the Decibel Geek Podcast with Aaron Camaro and Chris Sinzak.
0: Gym, so
3: queen,
4: All right, you're tuned into the Decibel Geek Podcast where we are building a local music scene with a worldwide audience. I love that line. That makes sense for what we're doing here. Absolutely. You know, and when we're talking about hard rock and heavy metal, like we always do, we've been doing these shows where we go back in time and we jump in the DeLorean, we take off back in the past and we look at the years from the past and do years in rock review. You know, and we've had a lot of fun, we've had a lot of great response. Last week, we started out with the intention of doing (laughs) the year in rock review 1969. However, there's so much going on. You know, there's so much going on in 1969. What would have been like to be, you know, our age at that time would have just been amazing.
0: Would have been running around in a Volkswagen Beetle.
4: Yeah, and not buying tickets to Altamont. But we're going to talk about that (laughs) a little bit later on because, well, we'd go to Woodstock instead. Absolutely. Most definitely. So thank you guys for tuning in. Once again, we're going to get right to it. 1969 Part 2. Here it comes.
2: In a scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird religious rite, five persons, including actress Sharon Tate, were found dead at the home of Miss Tate and her husband, screen director Roman Poljanski.
0: Yeah, welcome back to the Decibel Geek Podcast. A little helter-skelter from the Beatles from 1969 as we do our year in review.
4: Yeah, that was crazy, man. the The whole Charles Manson deal. I mean, wow.
0: The Manson family murdered Sharon Tate and a group of other people, and then wound up killing even more. And the reason played Helter Skelter there. That's uh, he. That's Manson took that term from that song by the Beatles. He believed Helter Skelter to be an impending apocalyptic race war, which he described in his own version of the lyrics to the song. He believed the murders would help precipitate that war. And, uh, you know, pop culture kind of blew up around them. It almost made um, celebrities of him and the girls, you know is it was, it was a really strange time.
4: Well, more or less, because it was such a huge story at the time. And I mean, you know it's it's hard for a band, you know, and even doing a little research for this, we were talking about the doors earlier. And Jim Morrison had a problem with one of the lines in Robbie Krieger's songs that said, you know, go get your guns.
0: That's right. I know,
4: and you think about that, and the thing he said was, you know, I don't want anybody out there to listen to this and think literally that's what I want them to do. Yeah. You know, but you got to remember there's always gonna be some whack job out there that's gonna take your lyrics so seriously and make it their own that, you know, something crazy like this might happen. I mean, and the test of it is today you know, look at the rap artists and stuff and look mm-hmm. how many kids out there idolize that lifestyle that they have, you know, they don't live it, but they portray it, you know. But it's and,
0: a, you know, these kids think that that's cool. You it's know, a they slippery take it so slope, serious. though. Yeah, but, it, I mean, are, really we, are we, we going to demonize Blackie Lawless? Or are we, you know... Well, sure,
4: you know, and it is. It's a very slippery slope oh, so. because, you know, you can't take what one deranged person, you know, takes and, and takes that song for mm-hmm. serious, you know, as 100% real and it means something to them where, you know, most people like you and me or anybody else, you know, and I tell my kid, you know, listen to whatever you want, but no, it's just a song. Yeah, it's be educated. It's just a song, man.
0: Speaking of Beatles, though, we, we've got yeah. one of your picks here. This is a pretty interesting tune you got. I love
4: this song, you know, and this one actually, the Beatles came out with two albums, you know, and if you want to get really technical about it and talk to a Beatles fan, three mm-hmm. in this year, because first they come out with Yellow Submarine, mm-hmm. and it's basically Yellow Submarine is four new songs plus a couple of singles they released in 67 and 68, um, including this next song we're about to play. This one is great. It's one of my favorite Beatles songs because it's one of their heavier songs. Yeah. You know, and I was actually introduced to this song because the first time I heard it, it was covered by Alice Cooper. Really? Which is a really cool version of it. But you want to talk about heavy Beatles, check this one out. It's called Hey Bulldog. Radio stations ain't playing it for you, but the Decibel Geek Podcast does. Check this one out. Yeah, 1969, definitely a trying and uh, turbulent time for the Beatles, known as one of the greatest rock bands of all time. You know, 1969, not so good to the Beatles, other than, you know, all the great music they put out. It's
0: amazing but, they could put out that kind of output with all the turmoil going right, on.
4: Right, because, like I said, they come out with Yellow Submarine. They got the the cartoon movie. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the first side is is Beatles songs. The second side is instrumental film score, so it wasn't really that popular with the fans. You know, it was like the first album not to top the charts by the Beatles, but, you know, again, it was half soundtrack. So then they go into the studio to record what would end up becoming Letty, it be mm-hmm. which most people know if you look at the discography is considered the beatles last album right in reality that's actually recorded before abbey road right abbey road was really the last one. right because things had gotten so bad with and originally it was going to be called um get back oh, and, really? and with the uh it had gotten so bad in the studio that the whole thing was pretty much scrapped and then that later on would end up becoming let it be mm-hmm. but they go back into the studio with abbey road which, and these guys are pretty well dysfunctional at this point, you oh, know, yeah. they don't hated even, they other. hated each other, but they they knew that it was the end, and they mm-hmm. decided they were going to go out in style, and they were going to pull it together and put together one hell of a good album, and they did with Abbey Road, and like I said earlier, the Stones kind of pushed the envelope for the guys like the Beatles and the Beach Boys, these established like pop rock bands, to really start to experiment and try different things. And I think that track, Hey Bulldog, is a good example because that's not your typical Beatles song.
0: No, it's not. And I noticed the Beatles towards the end of their career, it's almost like they wanted to create stuff that they couldn't reproduce live intentionally. Right. <laughs> it's like well, I don't want to go on the road with you, so we're going to put all these bells and whistles in these songs. But, yeah, uh, that
4: makes a lot of sense, you know. But it was it was the end of an era for the it, Beatles. Beatles for sure. And
0: it was the beginning of an era for what I consider this is a passing of the torch for like the top of the heap of rock with the Beatles on their way out and Led Zeppelin on their way
4: in. That's it because you know, you got to look at it. The Stones kind of were able to hold on to it, but the yeah. Beach Boys and the Beatles, you know, considered two of the top rock bands of of that time yeah. are pretty much washed up at this point.
0: Pretty much, and you know, then Zeppelin comes out with Led Zeppelin 1 and Led Zeppelin 2, very original album names, but um great songs nonetheless.
4: Well the thing is with Led Zeppelin 1 that comes out right at the beginning of the year in 1969, yeah. you know, and it's cool that, like I said, like we said before, how cool would it would be to have Led Zeppelin come out with two albums in the same year. How cool would it be for your favorite band to oh. come out with two albums in the same year? But the thing is with Led Zeppelin when they come out with with the first album, mm-hmm. they're not, you know, you would think looking back that everybody would have been so excited about that album, but they were pretty critically panned and it was because of guys like uh Eric Clapton you know uh, doing cream, doing uh, uh blind, blind faith, faith uh-huh. you know, and all that all these these super groups was yeah. was the thing of the time, mm-hmm. and I think people were kind of starting to get burnt out on super groups and then when Zeppelin comes out
0: as the new yard as the
4: new yard birds, you know, and they end up you know saying, well, this is good enough we we don't need to call it the New yard birds. Yeah. we can come up with our own name, they come up with Led Zeppelin, mm-hmm. you know, and they come out with and it's cool because the Led Zeppelin album, I learned this." was totally financed by jimmy page when they went to uh to the record company money for it, huh? when they went to the record company the album was completed mm-hmm. it was it was totally done and he said here you go and they listened to it and wow. said sounds great we'll sign you that's ambitious you know, but at first you know led zeppelin didn't get a lot of you know because they were lumped in with these supposed super groups yeah that people were getting sick of led zeppelin wasn't you know universally accepted at first but well, till part two comes out,
0: but I mean both uh, but I mean the both albums they put out in sixty nine I mean they're just amazing albums the the all the material is timeless stuff, oh, and, yeah, in retrospect, yeah, and, you for know, sure. and you know Aaron was kind enough to let me pick the Zeppelin song for this episode, so. I mean, I could have flipped a coin on any of these and, let me, and let me, been happy Before
4: with it. we go too far, let me tell you something else I found that was pretty interesting. The songs off Led Zeppelin Two, the originals that they did, yeah. were all pretty much based on the fact that when they'd go out and play live, you know, supporting their their debut album, mm-hmm. the song Dazed and Confused would become like, they'd play the song, but it would become like an extended instrumental jam. Mm-hmm. And it would change all the time. And what they would do is the... the Their demos were recorded at all different places all over the world because they're recording. They'd hear something that Jimmy Page had done in his jam part of the song and say, that's awesome. We could turn that into something else. So they'd bust ass after the show, throw themselves into a studio and try to record something and get it down that night. Mm -hmm. You know, and so a lot of the songs they say off of Led Zeppelin 2 were formed out of those free form jam sessions out of the song Dazed and Confused while they're on tour. Isn't that cool?
0: But I also read that Dazed and Confused was pretty much ripped off of somebody else's material. Right, you know, and a lot of that a stuff lot of off Zeppelin the first stuff album, was, yeah. But I don't want to get into that. Let's get into what we enjoy from the band. Yeah, good now, stuff. Now, like I said, I could have flipped a coin on any of these tunes because I, l- I listen to these albums front to back regularly. I love them. They were a part of, especially a part of my college days, Days, D-A-Z-E. And um. so I went ahead and picked this. This is kind of a combination. This is a cheat. Because you always hear it this way on radio, and this is the way it is on the album. Talking about where Heartbreaker segues into Live and Love and Made. Now here's a little bit of that. Live and Love and Made off of uh, Zeppelin II. Uh, that song was originally titled Live and Wreck. She's just, she's a woman with Wreck was replaced by Maid on U.S. U.S. releases later on. It was actually about a groupie who annoyed the band early in their career. It was not a real positive tune. Also, um, this song is known as Jimmy Page's least favorite Zeppelin song and was never played live.
4: I don't understand why. I mean, it's such an awesome tune.
0: It grooves. I mean, that, well, and I love one song going into the other. That's a great transition from, yep. especially and, back and in you're 1969.
4: Right. They, they always played it on radio that way.
0: Oh, yeah. It always, one goes straight into the other. Yep. So, uh, but yeah, gotta love Zeppelin. Um,
4: you know, we're talking about, like, the supergroups and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's easy to see why Zeppelin was lumped in with them because if you look at the guys in the band. I mean, they're all amazing. I mean, supergroup any day of the week. I mean, any one of those guys could have went out on their own and formed, you know, all four of them could have formed their own great bands. Mm-hmm. But together, they were an unstoppable force that would continue to reign supreme over rock and roll for many years to come following 1969. Um, you know, of course, Zeppelin making their debut, um, But like I said, lumped in with these supergroups, guys like Eric Clapton doing the Blind Faith thing. Another band that was always considered kind of a supergroup because of the involvement with the Yardbirds and stuff like that would be the Jeff Beck group. Absolutely. And, you know, Jeff Beck is a killer guitar player, you know, was friends with Jimmy Page from a very young age. You know, Mm -hmm. these guys kind of were all grouped in together like that. Well, Jeff Beck comes out with Beckola in 1969. Right after
0: Truth, which is also a great record.
4: Yep. And uh, it has got some pretty interesting people in the band. Uh, talk about Ronnie Wood, who would go on to play with the Stones. Oh, and the Faces. And, and, and the Faces. And, of course, Rod Stewart, which, yep. you know, once those two guys split from the Jeff Beck group, would form Faces. Yeah. So, you know, Rod Stewart doing some stuff that he's not really, you know, known for over the years since then. You know, you think right. of Rod Stewart, it's with me it's a negative thing. You know, I, I'm not a Rod Stewart fan in any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> on the other hand... You know, this was a really good album. Here's a little taste for you to check it out for yourself. This is a song called The Hangman's Knee. Yeah, you wouldn't know that Rod Stewart had it in him. Oh, but no. there you go. I mean, kicking some ass with the Jeff Beck group right there. That's Beckola uh album, the song called uh The Hangman's Knee from 1969.
0: You can hear a little bit of that early Faces influence in there. I mean, the, or what it would become the Faces and Jeff Beck, saw Jeff Beck live a couple of years ago at yeah? Me- uh, Memphis and May Festival, right before the Great Tennessee Flood hit. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I saw Jeff Beck, and then I saw Limp Biscuit. Now, that's a weird combination. Boy, that is a
4: weird combination.
0: Jeff Beck was amazing. He does things I with bet. a guitar I've never seen anyone do before. Heck,
4: yeah, and, you know, Jeff Beck's a guy that influenced, you know, countless guitar players oh, yeah. from Ace Frehley to Eddie Van Halen on Down the Line, who would in in, in turn influence their own, mm-hmm. you know, and it goes on and on and on. That's why, you know, 1969 is such an important year, for you know hard rock and heavy metal because like i said this is the the spark that kind of kicks it all off you know because you got to remember not too far from here in the future we've got black sabbath coming we've got kiss and all these other bands alice cooper you know as a matter of fact talking about bands that have come out with debut albums in 1969 you've got alice cooper you know comes out with his first one not like his other stuff. Not um, the Alice Cooper that we all are talking know and about. Pretties for
0: you, right? Yeah, yeah Pretties for you. I went back and actually listened to that album uh, a couple days ago, and you know, preparation for this, thinking is there anything on here I want to play? And I I dig a few of the songs, but at the same time, you
2: it's, know, it's and this is not, not
0: this is not biasness, but uh, the truth is, I you know, our previous guest a few weeks ago, Dick Wagner, who played with Alice Cooper from the Welcome to my Welcome right. to My Nightmare album through the '80s, early '80s. Um. I just don't think he came into his own until Billion Dollar Babies and then when Dick came on board.
4: I agree with that. You know, and especially this first album, it's more of it's it's almost like they're trying too hard to do hippie music. Yeah. You know, and in, you know, psychedelia kind of kind yeah, of. I, just, I but can't dig it. It's it's like I said, it's not the Alice Cooper that we here at the Decibel Geek Podcast have all known to come and love, you know, because it's it takes a little time for him yeah. to, to figure out, you know, what his niche is. And boy, oh, boy, once he figures oh, it out, got it. <laughs> yeah, there's there's no stopping him after that.
3: What we do is we need that extra push over the cliff. You know what we do? Put it up to 11. 11. exactly. The only
2: podcast that goes to 11. One loud. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder.
3: These to 11. This is the Decibel Geek Podcast.
2: And now, Deep Thoughts with Zach Wild.
1: Where would I place Black Label Society? Mm-hmm. You got Britney Spears, Mariah Carey, Black Label Society.
4: Um, other bands coming out with stuff this year, you know, de- talking about debuts, Bob Seger. You know, it comes out with the Bob Seger system again. This is his first of it. Um, it's the Rambling uh, Gambling Man's debut. Is, is the name of the CD. It's the first of two in 1969. He ends up with coming out with two more. Uh, one more after that. Um, let's see what else I got here. Oh, Three Dog Night. You, yeah. you remember Three Dog Night? Of course. They come out with their debut um, one you know, is the loneliest number. You know that Great one. Song. This is way before the lead singer's penis explodes later <laughs> <Yeah>. on.
0: <laughs> Sorry, Chuck.
4: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's the when that happens to you, it's bound to stick in people's memories yeah. for a long time. Look that when one they up on Google you. if you don't know what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, uh, Chuck Negron, by the way. Is, yeah, just uh, look that up. Very interesting rock story. Um, let's see what else we got going. Rock uh, Mata Hoople yeah. comes out with their debut that year and uh you know everybody knows Hu Hoople has influenced so many hard rock and metal bands throughout the years, especially the uh the same as like spooky tooth the the english invasion type judas priest iron maiden guys like that you know that band had a big a band in that talking about other bands coming out with their debut and really really being influential on the kind of rock hard rock heavy metal we like to talk about you got to talk about we said it earlier from detroit the
0: Stooges yeah, come D- out with their debut. Detroit was pretty much exploding. You had Cooper, you got Seeger, you got the Stooges, you got the MC5. I mean, there's there's a lot of good stuff coming out of Detroit back in Heck those yeah. days. That's a hotbed for rock and roll. And uh, the Stooges came out with their debut album. Two songs uh, were released as singles, 1969, which you heard at the very beginning of the show. And the next song, I Want to Be Your Dog, uh, the album only peaked at number 106 on the Billboard charts but widely considered the birth of punk rock, and some alternative, too. Well,
4: you know, and it, the thing is, is they say that, but when you listen to it, to me, I hear a hard rock, just straight-up hard rock album out of this. I mean, it's really good. And here's another interesting story, because, you know, uh, Ron Ashton, the guitarist, mm-hmm. you know, this guy is a hard rock guitarist. You can call it punk if you want, but to me, it, it's hard rock well, through it, and through yeah.
0: But they were they were very responsible for the Ramones getting started
4: right. Very true. Here's an interesting story about that. They had the five original songs when they were signed by Electra. Originally the band wanted to do as a, as a EP. They only knew those that's all five they had. that's all they had was those five original songs. Other than that, they were just doing covers. So they go to Electra and Electra says, No, you know, this is not enough. Right. So they tell them, Oh yeah, no problem. You know, we got we got millions of songs, yeah. no Ig- sweat.
0: Iggy lied.
4: In reality, Those are the only five originals they got. So they go back to the studio that night.
0: And start out. And
4: by the next morning, they've got three more songs to add to that album. They banged out three songs in one night and came back and said, here you go. That's right. That's amazing. This is one of them songs. Well, this was off the original one. This was something they already had worked out. The guitar in this song is amazing. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. I mean, so many hard rock and heavy metal bands borrow from this. But you listen to it for a minute. You'll know what I'm talking about. I want to be your dog. It's the Stooges on the Despicable Geek Podcast.
2: Putting the O back in uh, rock.
3: It's just like a- Oh. 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 A hot night. Oh. Yes. 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 Yes.
2: Yes. 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 You're listening to the Decibel Geek Podcast. But an ever-growing hippie subculture turned to other sources to turn on. Hundreds of thousands descended on Woodstock, New York, for a rock music festival. There was a lack of everything, yet the enormous crowd endured all with good humor.
0: Woodstock, 1969. Welcome back to the Despicable Geek Podcast. We couldn't do a 1969 episode without talking about this, right?
4: Oh, no way. I mean, this is such a monumental moment in music, in rock music, as a matter of fact, that, you know, you talk about Jimi Hendrix, you hear the man playing the National Anthem he woke there. woke everyone up. Yeah, I mean, The Who, CCR, Janis Joplin, Jefferson Airplane. I mean, there was a ton of bands that played at this thing, and... You know, when you think of the 60s and you think of hippies and, and that era, you automatically think of Woodstock.
0: 350,000 people in one place. That's
4: amazing.
0: That's a, it's, I mean, it was billed as a music festival and Aquarian Exposition, Three Days of Peace and Music.
4: See, and you just don't get that anymore. I mean, you look at what happened back in the 90s when oh, they tried to recapture that and what a disaster it turned out to Fred be. Fred
0: Durst turned it into a riot.
4: But this was, you know, it, it really was, you know, what you imagine, the peace, the love, the happiness, the music, you know, it, it was what you, if if you grew up in this time, I think that's what you'd want to remember was stuff like that.
0: Yeah, it was a it was a huge event. And this is one of those, time machine moments where you'd like to go back and check it out, you know. Right, for and, sure. Uh, I it was funny, I was I had I had family visiting with family yesterday and I was Telling a couple of people like my my uncle, you know, who was around at that time, and I was like, mm-hmm. you know, tell me what you remember. And not that he went to Woodstock, but he was, you know, he remembers right. what happened. I said, what was your memories of when that happened? What were you? What, what do you think of? What did you think of it? He's like, well, if you listen to the media, it was just a bunch of people drugged out on acid, you know, for three right. days. But um, you know, that was here in Tennessee. But a lot of people hitch right. hitchhiked. They did everything they could to get up there, and it was just on this little you know dairy farm out in the middle of nowhere in New York, Max Yasger's six hundred acre farm in the Catskill yeah and uh lasted for three days and you know as aaron said you had santana ccr janice joplin the who Jimi hendrix you know and there were a lot of uh big names that turned down an invitation yeah exactly
4: i read about that the doors canceled out on you it know? because they thought it was going to be just a cheap knockoff of the monterey pop festival that had happened a few years earlier and they weren't you know of course in retrospect they they really you know shouldn't have done that and they know it yeah you know robbie krieger regrets it heavily now looking back yeah um even led zeppelin was asked to do it
0: yeah and they wound up they wound up they 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 didn't they they didn't want to do it
4: yeah they did another festival they didn't want to do it because they thought they'd you know being the up-and-coming band that they were you know, to be on sharing the stage with guys like Jimi Hendrix, the Who, CCR, these already you know pretty seriously established bands, mm-hmm. that they would be just another opening band, and that's not what they were going for. You know, their Zeppelin was out to take over the world. So yeah, you know, they with or without Woodstock, they they had that locked up anyhow.
0: Well, another band that played a that played at Woodstock was Sly and the Family Stone, who is not known as a hard rocker metal band, no. but they are apropos to this episode. Reason why? Because we have to squeeze a kiss reference into the episode. Somehow.
4: Somehow, some way, we're going to do so it. So, how
0: am I going to tie Sly and the Family Stone to Kiss? That's
4: what I'd like to know.
0: This shows how big of a nerd I am. <laughs> Geek. Let me re- That's right. right. The reason I know this is because I've. I've consumed so much Kiss knowledge that this is the fact. When Kiss was recording the Dress to Kill album, they had not, re- they had not written rock and roll all night yet. And they had plenty of great songs, but they didn't really have an anthem yet. Unless you want to count Kiss in Time, which was Bobby Rydell's.
4: Let's not count that okay. for anything.
0: Neil Bogart, who was actually responsible for them playing that song, president of Casablanca Records, he went in one day. He was producing the album. Kiss was so broke at this time that they couldn't even afford a producer. Right. And Bogart was like, well, I'll just produce it myself. He came in one day, and he said, what you guys need is an anthem. And they're like, well, what do you mean by an anthem? And he's like, well, you know that Sly in the Family Stone song, I Want to Take You Higher? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, you need to write something like that, something that you know, rallies people together, and they did. They wrote "Rock and Roll All Night" and "Party Every Day" that you know that week. Nice. And it, you know, it it was so, it did kind of well on dress to kill, but then it blew up when the live hit. Right. But that's how I can tie Sly and the Family Stone to Kiss.
4: Very good. I'm proud of you for that. I, I am too. We I'm have sure. to do that some way or somehow. We, you know, it's just our thing. We've got to tie yeah. Kiss in somehow. Well, in 1969, you found a way to do it. I did. So let's crank. Let's that Let's hear song. the
0: inspiration for "Rock and Roll All Night."
1: longer till
0: How you like that one?
4: You know what? I do like that I one. I love that song. I do, too. I mean, you know, you think of Sly and the Family Stone, you know, and even when it was announced last year that they were going to be opening for Van Halen, I was just like, what? Oh, no,
0: no, that was Cool in the Gang.
4: Oh, that was Cool in the Gang. Well, the old, this is <laughs> okay. but put their new right, album then. out
0: in 69 also. That's really? Quite, yeah, they started out in 69. Well, there you go. I just But's...
4: got I just in a Cool in the Gang reference. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> but, you know, as far as being like a funk band with saxophones and everything else, that guitar is pretty killer in that song, and it is a rock tune.
0: It grew. So that song is what it got killed. To write rock and roll, all night, which <laughs> a lot of people don't know that. Which I'm, and I'm happy which to has share
4: absolutely that. nothing to do with Cool in the Gang, by the no, way. No,
0: no, no, no. <laughs> now let's talk about something pretty darn obscure. And well, you came. Is... To me. I remember this song, but you, this song that Aaron's about to talk about. I have to say, from my own personal standpoint, I have not heard this song since I was like doing family trips with my dad, and I'm my dad you. loved this song. I'm telling I you, I haven't heard this song since I was about six, seven years old.
4: You know, and when I when I was doing my research for 1969, I had to look at this and been like, I think I remember this song. You know, we gotta we gotta play that. I mean, it's it's not a rock song, but it's one of those. It's, it's cool. It's, yeah, it's the lyrics are are amazing. I mean. Give the people a little taste right oh, now. Oh, no, let this them... is
0: more than a little taste. We want you to hear the majority of the lyrics on this. It's only about three minutes, so bear with us. All man. right, we'll come back listen and tell how... you
4: about it when it's over, but we just want to let you listen to this. I mean, it is... This was 1969. This else. The band's called Zager and Williams. This is 25. Zager and Evans, Zager and Evans 25, twenty-five, twenty-five.
3: 25
1: If man is still alive. If we survive, they may fall,
3: in the year
1: 35, 35, ain't gonna need to tell the truth, tell no lies, everything you think, do and say, is in the pill you took to, 545 Ain't gonna need your teeth Won't need your eyes You won't find a thing to chew Nobody's gonna look at you In the year '65, '65, ain't gonna need no husband, won't need no wife. You pick your son, pick your daughter too. From the bottom of a long line, Man has been or tear
3: it down and start a in the year ninety-five-95.
1: I'm gonna wonder if man is gonna be alive. He's taken everything this old earth can give And he ain't put back nothing. Whoa, whoa Now it's been ten thousand years man has cried a billion tears for what he never knew now man's rain is through but through eternal night the twinkling of starlight so very far away maybe it's only yesterday
0: Now, it's hard to believe that a couple of guys from Lincoln, Nebraska would write a song so prophetic as that one.
4: You know, and it's, it's like I said, it's not the heaviest of songs, but it's got that driving rhythm to it and, you know, how, like, dark and prophetic the it is. The
0: lyrics are amazing on this song, and it, it was very ahead of its time I and mean, warned of the dangers of technology Portraying a yep. future and how the human race is destroyed by its own technological and medical innovations.
4: Jeez, where have I heard that before? Oh, yeah, the year 2012. Yeah, exactly.
0: It's, <laughs> it's a scary <laughs> Here thought. Here we are. It's a very scary thought. But, I mean, it's amazing that these two guys from Nebraska, in the middle of nowhere just came up with this song and it i mean it's amazing lyrics and you know it's it's funny this one gets buried you don't even hear it on the radio anymore
4: no i mean but i, I, I would think the classic rock stations should be playing something but like when that. i
0: researched this it was huge it was the it number was. 1 song for 6 weeks yep. it was uh, number 1 when man landed on the moon um woodstock was going on at the time it was nominated for a hugo award it sold over 4 million copies by 1970
4: well that's the thing i think it's one of them songs where when it comes on you have to sit down and listen to the words you know because it's it's one of those storytelling songs and you know when people look back at like the 60s they think of the hippies the free love the flower power you know and all that happy stuff but in 1969 wasn't necessarily a really happy time i mean there was some dark stuff going on talking about the vietnam war i mean when when john f kennedy was assassinated the the idea was is was he was going to start pulling troops back from vietnam mm-hmm. when lbk success uh, was became his successor you know it didn't take too long for him to triple the efforts in vietnam so and that happened in 1968 So you got to figure the bands that, you know, there was a lot of protest stuff going on at this time. You know, you look at the doors, you know, look at CCR, a lot of their political stuff. They wrote Janis Joplin, you know, Mm -hmm. all these people. And and everybody was standing up against this war that was going on where they thought it was over. Well, in 1968, they find out this is going to go on, you know, and it ends up going on until 1975 when it it finally is, you know, this is a wash. We might as well just end it. You know, it was a disaster, and the people at that time, they knew it. You know, the American people, they knew it. And the artists were, were speaking out against it, you know. And, and so it was kind of dark times at that time, well, and this kind of fits in with that.
0: Yeah, and I will say that, um, you know, my father was, he was in Vietnam for, from sixty eight from 67 through 68. and It's a weird uh, little factoid. On my birthday is November 5th, 76. My dad went into Vietnam November 5th, 67, and came out November 5th, 68. Which I always thought was kind of interesting, but um, yeah, I will say, uh, you know, I, and I'm sure in hindsight he was, you know, for you know keeping the government honest and stuff, but I will say. He, along with many other veterans, were treated very poorly by a lot of the hippies as they uh, came back home from Vietnam. Right. And, you know,
4: the thing is with that, with the Vietnam War, I mean, we're honestly, I mean, and it's easy to say this in retrospect looking back, you know, the American troops were kind of screwed from the beginning because the idea is that when you go into somebody else's backyard, and then that backyard is a jungle. And they're all hiding in there. They know all the good hiding yeah. spots. Now you're going to go marching in there and try to flush them out. You know, good luck with that. Yeah, it was a mess. You know, the, the saying was, you know, with a war like this, your your best weapon is a knife because you're yeah. fighting that close. The worst weapon is an airplane dropping bombs. Yeah. And that's what the, the government did. They went in there and dropped bombs everywhere. Now, is that this soldier's fault? Do you, does he deserve to be mm-hmm. called a baby killer when he comes home no. from service in the airport? No, mm-hmm. absolutely not. But at that time... You know, and, you know, here we are, 2012, and our government's still screwing with us all the time, but that's not what kind of show this is. (laughs) No,
0: it's not getting too political. (laughs) But we want to talk uh, about We do want to talk about one big event that took place. Sure. I
4: mean, if there was one nail that put the coffin, the nail in the coffin of the hippies, it was was Altamont.
0: That of course is Mick Jagger on the stage at Altamont while things were just basically going chaotic.
4: What a mess that turned out to be! And and when you look back at history, people will tell you time and time again that was the end of the 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 free the love, peace, love, the peace, love and <laughs> happiness era. Yeah. That was that was it because what they wanted to do was they wanted to do a you know Western version, a California version of Woodstock.
0: What's Wood- Woodstock West is what they were calling it.
4: But you know, as you know, it, it all went terribly bad.
0: Yeah, it was organized by the Stones. Uh, also the, featured uh, Santana, Jefferson Airplane, The Flying Burrito Brothers, and Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Grateful Dead scheduled, but they canceled. Well, that's
4: the funny thing about that too. I mean, if you talk about you know bands that would go on to influence really cool bands in the future, you know, the Rolling Stones influenced a lot of the bands that we talk about here on a regular oh, basis. Sure. You know, tons of them. Tons of them. Absolutely. Grateful Dead, not so much. You know. That's where the difference is, you know. With hard rock and heavy metal, you know, we've got balls. You know, these artists <laughs> have balls. Grateful Dead, not so much. Things start getting crazy at Altamont. Where do the? What happens to the Grateful Dead? Pew! They're gone. They were gone. They are out of there faster than a hippie can smoke a joint. They're
2: gone.
0: Yeah. They, uh, there was 300 around 300,000 people at this event. And, uh, it was all, the scariest thing is it was all shot on film and you can yeah. watch it. And then yeah, the documentary, uh, get murdered. The documentary is called give me shelter. If you want to check it out. Um, but, yeah, considerable violence. The uh, Hells Angels were the security team for this event, which probably Bad not the idea. smartest idea. Bad idea. Um, I don't know if that's when Hunter S. Thompson was hanging out with him or not, but <laughs> uh, there were four births reported at the event. Yeah. There were... Th- uh, one homicide, three accidental deaths, two caused by a hit and run car accident, one by drowning in an irrigation canal. Wow. I mean, this is like hell on earth.
4: Well, and that's what they said, too, where, you know, the difference between Woodstock was everybody was smoking herb and, you know, tripping on acid. And Ultimat,
0: they were all on meth yeah it was a They're crazy all, situation you know
4: crazy on meth out there and you know like i said kudos to the rolling stones because when when the grateful dead pushed out and said oh no you know this ain't our scene brother you know and they hit the road they you know the on. rolling stones stayed you know and they said this is a mess, you know, and they could have easily hopped in the same ride as the Grateful Dead and got the hell out of town, you know, and and left it to be a disaster that it should have, it definitely would have became, you know, if the two headliners would have been gone, but you got to give credit for the Stones for sticking around, trying to make it work, even though it was pretty well out of hand by that point.
0: Yeah, and, uh, you know, we're going to close out the show, because that that took uh, took place in December of 69, kind of an eerie way of ending it, but... uh, Yeah, 69
4: was a year like that, you know, it came in all flowers and power and ended up with altamont you know and so the music scene changes from here no more beatles no more beach boys Mm -hmm. you know no more monkeys no more you know the the doors are going back to their roots now the stones are going back to their roots it's the formation of the hard rock and heavy metal as it would become known yeah you know it's it's takes flower power and hippies don't have nothing to do with hard rock and heavy metal but darkness does, and dark times breeds dark music and emotional music, and that's what you end up with.
0: But here's a kind of an ironic song we're going to play out with because of the darkness of uh, the uh, Altamont Festival. This was the Stones doing a song off the uh, Let It Bleed album that's the title track, and yeah. uh, all about... You know, togetherness, trying to make things work. Trying,
4: they're trying, baby.
0: We're gonna, we're gonna play out with this one. This is let it bleed. Um, But thanks for listening to us, and uh, hope to see you guys or here. Hope you listen to us next week.
4: Yeah, this one's been fun and informative. So we'll be back next week. I hope you enjoyed 1969
2: as much as we did. Remember to check us out at dbgeekshow.blogspot.com, facebookcom decibelgeek and Twitter at decibelgeekpod. Also available for free on iTunes and Stitcher Radio.